Are you angry at the education system? It's understandable. You love your kids and everything seems to be spiraling out of control. What can you do? Today's guest, Josiah Gator, says there's a whole lot you can do. Listen in on the state of education to learn how you can turn your frustration into fruitful change. So what encouragement can you give to parents and grandparents who are really trying to protect their children and would really like to see education in this country reclaimed? So for those individuals, the encouragement that I have to offer, some of it I've already said, so I'll quickly recap that. One is that things like homeschooling, co-ops, micro schools, all of those are easier than ever before. Also, we're living in a time where the moment is is really now, and we've done a lot of great work in the last year. So we are absolutely on the right track. When I say that we have more momentum than ever before in my life, that is a really exceptional thing to be able to say. So then the encouragement is, now is the time to continue. Before other things come up, before all this other stuff happens, when this is still the focus of society and in the media regularly, now is our chance to make a big change because other issues are going to come up and we're going to have to wait a little while before most people are still focused on this exact same thing. The other mm-hmm. encouragement that I have to offer to these individuals is that you are the only ones that are able to do it. The the lobbyists, the policy makers, all of them, the only thing that can overcome the power of teachers unions and the lobbyists that they have and corporate interests, whatever it might be working against what you want and parents' rights are the parents. Is that grassroots army? And there's nobody that cares more about your kids than you. Right. So you have the power. We've seen it work over the last couple of years. And so we're living in an extremely exciting time for that. It's easier than ever. The time is now. The momentum is now. It's it's a fantastic and opportune time. Last year, we saw, I think it was about 18 uh, states pass laws that expanded education freedom and opportunities for mm-hmm. funds to follow students as opposed mm-hmm. to educational system. We've heard congressmen and legislators across the country making this a top priority because many of them are afraid of what these parents will do. We've seen associations that called parents, domestic terrorists lose a third of, I think maybe more, two thirds of their membership, the National School Board Association. So the power is real, but parents, grandparents, those individuals are the ones that have it. And so uh, a friend of ours, Corey DeAngelis, likes to say there's a new interest group in town and it's parents. And that is uh, really exciting. And they have a lot of power. And if you look over the last year about what we've accomplished, I hope that they realize that that is a ton of power. And the last thing I'll say is that I said we're going to get caught up with other things. But if you're playing chess, you know, if I'm playing chess, and, and Melvin, since I work in this area a lot, and, and I lobby on behalf of things like parents' rights, part of my job is to try to play that chess. If you're just thinking about education and you put yourself in a silo as a parent who's like, well, what is going to be most important for my education? Those things like your state legislators 
or who your superintendent is and your school board decides who your superintendent is and your school district are probably going to impact you more for your Mm -hmm. education. Now, there's other issues parents care about, and I understand that, than worrying about who's in the White House. So when you're thinking, what's going to impact my kid's education the most? You need to be thinking about those state legislators who are going to let the money follow the student or that superintendent who's setting up those policies and enforcing them or your school board who's hiring that superintendent first. And then after you've got that in the right place, you can worry about it. But day to day, the person in the White House does not have as much impact on what's going to happen to your kid when they step into a government school as you might think. Absolutely. That's that's great stuff. So I, I think, you know, what I would say, uh, first of all, you're absolutely right in this conversation and in this particular time, the parents and grandparents who are engaged, let me clarify that, those who are engaged definitely have the loudest voices in the room. Um, they have... Uh, authority because they are voters and they are engaged and they have the most direct uh, and actually the most legal rights in when it comes mm-hmm. to their children. And so that is a huge block of voters. And we're seeing just amazing uh, response from parents and grandparents. Uh, we see all of these different moms groups across the country, mm-hmm. other organizations that are taking coordinating at a local county and city level, parents and stuff coming together, engaged with their school board members. I will say this, it's not good enough to get mad over whatever the issue is that you most dislike. What is important is that parents educate themselves well and then engage with their leaders in a way that helps those folk understand that they're not going to go away, that they have opinions, that they have votes, and that they, so those leaders clearly know the changes that they expect. And of course, Mm -hmm. bottom line is, if those leaders don't respond to their constituency, then the constituency can respond to those leaders. And we have seen that happen in a massive way over the last year. And I think we're going to see it even increased in the year to come, uh, particularly at the school board races. You talked about the different levels uh, of folk involved. Uh, I mean, that, you know, where the bigger impact is. I guess I would encourage uh, when parents and grandparents, you know, get educated on the issues, know who the players are, the good ones and the ones who are not supporting your issues, engage with them. And then when you go to the ballot box, Start at the bottom and work your way up, okay? Because typically the ballot box, you start at the top and you go with the highest offices and work your way down. But the ones at the bottom are the ones that actually impact your lives the most, especially when it comes to the education of your children. And so be very, a lot of, a lot of people don't even vote, on those issues. They, they start at the top, exactly. check off first couple and then leave. Uh, so that those lower level uh, elections are absolutely critical. 
So, um, Josiah, anything you want to add to that? And then let's talk just a little bit about teachers and school board members and legislators. So, uh, because those kind of folk are listening as well. And look, our goal here is to support people, to give them the best resources they can get to be problem solvers. I I like to say something very similar to what you said is – when this all started, there was a whole lot of anger. And it's okay to have anger. But the question is, what do you do with that? And you don't want to marinate in that emotion for very long. Yeah. So your anger quickly turned into passion. When parents, grandparents, and, and people who cared across the country said, okay, okay, I'm over the anger, but what am I going to do? I've got a passion to create change for the good of the children, which we discussed earlier. Yep. Then... Mm-hmm your passion needs to turn to action. And in between the passion and action is the education step that you talked about. So the the last encouragement that I would say is that keep thinking about what is achievable for you and look at the resources around you. So I hope that you look at FreedomWorks at Noah Webster Education Foundation and say, okay, maybe I can't do everything all at once. I can't solve all the education problems, but you know what? I can really help with curriculum transparency in my school district. And I'm Mm going to focus on that first. I'm going to use the resources from groups like us to get that done. And then Mm -hmm. if I'm also going to engage, okay, I care about school choice, but maybe I can't spend all my time on that, but maybe I can engage a little bit with another group that's doing that. So there's so many resources around Don't try to do everything by yourself. Get educated about what's going to make the most change. Try to make that change and then keep moving from there. So like everything, take steps to make sure that you're successful because none of us is going to solve this overnight, but there's a lot of opportunity for each of us to focus on a couple of problems and get some progress there. And if we're all working on these problems together um, with different groups focused on things, we're going to get a lot further, but we don't want anybody, anybody getting burned out. But yeah, I'd be happy to talk about uh, the different levels of, of teachers all the way up to the Congress, maybe. Yeah. So uh, first of all, well said about the, you know, the, the kind of the steps there. Uh, so you've got teachers who listen to this program, school board members, legislators, um, just quickly, and I don't want to belabor this, but um, what, what do you have to say to them and, uh, you know, specific to core principles and best practices in education? Here's what I learned a long time ago. Uh, you know, teachers, they, they, they are there to teach our kids and they need to be supported. They need to have the shackles taken off and they need to have liberty and freedom to actually do the job. Not all the extracurricular stuff, but the real focus of their, their profession uh, needs to be promoted when it comes to school boards, when it comes to state legislators and even federal, you know, Congress and so forth, you know, everybody is looking for solutions because that's what they're there for. They're there to Mm -hmm. fix things. Uh, But most people aren't experts in all these things. And so, I mean, just some simple solutions that can be encouraged for those who are listening that they can take actionable steps or at least 
inquire into, do a little bit of study and research to really find out, okay, so these are some of the best things that can happen in our schools if we'll make these kinds of policies um, without going too deep into this, uh, just just kind of highlight a few things. Sure. So the first, especially for policymakers, whether that is school board level all the way up to Congress, is to consider it from the perspective of the parent's job is to educate the child. And everything we do is to help supplement that. So they're the expert. We're not the expert on their child. So we're trying to facilitate and make it easier for parents and provide services for those parents to educate their child and opportunities to do it in a variety of ways. So if you start with that perspective, then you Mm -hmm. set up a nimble education system and environment that allows the parent to say, okay, what is working? What isn't working? Um, Where do we need to increase discipline? What's, What's happening here? All of those sorts of things. So you start from that perspective and say, okay, Mm -hmm. ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not the state's kid. It's not the teacher's kid. It's the teacher's student, for sure, but not their kid. So who is responsible at the end of the day? The parent, which means our perspective should generally be, how can we support the parents and the families so that they then can be that primary person. So we're in a support role. That is yeah. that is really helpful. And then when we're at the school board level, there's a couple of key things here. So we talk a lot about curriculum transparency. We talk a lot about these critical theories. A lot of school boards are implementing these policies already. So there's a couple of things that school board members can be doing. School board members can work to make sure that these things are more transparent and make sure that their superintendents are implementing more policies that are transparent for teachers because you know what parents need, excuse me, parents need to be able to be that involved party that I just described is they need to know exactly what's going on. Why did they get involved when COVID started? Because they knew exactly what was going on. It's not rocket science here. So let's make it easy. We don't need FOIA requests or open records requests for parents to know what's going on. And then for state legislators, what we will see, what Melvin and I talked about through my experience and for several of these students since COVID was really all just saying we gave students the opportunity to succeed. So our job, support parents as a state legislator and give students the opportunity to succeed. Don't say we know what's best for your child and we think that they, it should only be these two options, mm-hmm. you know, this government school or pay yourself for a private school. Say, hey, with your money through your local and state taxes, we want you to be able to take advantage of a variety of opportunities because we've said our perspective is to support the parents, not to decide for them. So all this comes from a very liberty-minded influence, which is support people in their decisions. We're just, we're not the experts in their kids. They are. And it'd be kind of foolish to say that I was the expert in somebody else's kid. No. And when I was a teacher, I wasn't, I was an expert in the subject matter and that was it. I knew where the students were on that subject matter, but I I didn't know what was going on at home. Yeah. Like I, I just, I didn't know that kid that, that well. So it'd be kind of foolish for me to say otherwise. Yeah. And so, you know, particularly like to legislators, I would add this, um, in, 
in every industry, uh, we find that we get better products and cheaper costs when there are more choices. You get more mm-hmm. people engaged in that space, more business involved in that space, and that competition will all by itself make things better, uh, both from the standpoint of production and also from the standpoint of the consumer. They get a better product at a less cost, almost always. Mm-hmm. And education is exactly the same thing. And unfortunately, in way too many states, particularly in Virginia, I mean, you know, government education is a extreme monopoly. Um, and, you know, and we should be encouraging more choice for parents, more opportunities for them to make the decisions for their children. And, you know, taxpayer money uh, should follow the student always, not the organization, as you stated, Um, because this is education is not about educational systems. Education is about the future of our children. And so that's where the investment needs to be made. And so I think if we work hard together, uh, everybody understands these basic concepts. uh, And if we can bring more agreement around these things. I think some great days are ahead for us all. Yeah, absolutely. I said one time uh, that buildings or schools are not sacred. The building that it happens is, is there's nothing sacred about that. What happens in that building is sacred. And we have great teachers. We have a variety of good, great schools across the country but we have a little bit of, uh, actually we have a lot of work to do to make sure that we're truly capturing those best teachers, allowing them to focus, capturing what those best schools are doing and copying that across the board and making sure that we trust parents because the, this process doesn't have to happen in any particular building. It can be in a church basement. It can be in a school with other kids, or excuse me, in a house with other kids from across the cul-de-sac and a retired science teacher or just one parent who happens to know that subject well. There's nothing about a building that is that is inherently valuable. It's what happens yeah. in the building, and that can happen in any, in any building. And so when we, we trust parents and come to that perspective that, I think there's a lot of opera. Well, I don't have to think. I know there's a ton of untapped opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Let me just kind of sum up what you just said there this way. Buildings are important, but they don't educate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, hey, Josiah, it's been great having you today. This has been fun. I hope those who are listening uh, had some real good takeaways today. Um, thank you for all the work you are doing. And uh, uh, we're just going to keep working hard for the American people and for our families and children and schools, our teachers, everybody involved. This is such a critical part of our of our country, our communities right now, and certainly for the future. And so uh, let's keep working at it. And uh, all of us together, uh, good days are ahead. If you enjoyed today's episode of the State of Education with Melvin Adams, please subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. We're able to continue sharing these podcasts because of generous support of our donors. 
If you'd like to learn more about the work we do at the Noah Webster Educational Foundation, visit our website at www.nwef.org.